Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. I'm Catherine Wilson. Um, I'm the ESPN blogger for Middlesbrough Football Club, and you can follow me on Twitter at BaseLady. Hi, I'm Jay. I'm founder and editor of the Eaglesbeat.com, a Palace fan site, by fans, for fans. You can get us all across social media, but mostly we're active on Twitter, and you get us at the Eagles Beak. Great. Thanks to you two so much for joining us. Up first, of course, we have Making the Rounds, where we each have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs. Obviously, it was a crazy week because there was a transfer window. It was a double match week uh, for all intents and purposes. Uh, Catherine, uh, you actually got to go to the Tottenham match, but on the larger scale, uh, what really happened at Middlesbrough this week on the whole? Um, well, it's been a bit tempestuous, I think, over the past few weeks with um, our head coach, Aita Kwanka, who is kind of getting a reputation now for being a bit hot-headed, um, being quite moody and uh, definitely not hiding his feelings from the press. Um, so over the past month or so, he's uh, had a go at the fans sort of indirectly. Um, and also it seems that he's hit out at the club um, by saying that he gave them the targets that he would like to see at the club and that, you know, they maybe didn't work hard enough to bring those people in. Um, so we finished January having brought in uh, a 31-year-old defensive midfielder from Watford, um, which wasn't really what most of the fans were after because... Of course, everyone knows that um, Middlesbrough kind of doing okay defensively, um, not conceding many goals at all. We've we've got a goal difference of minus eight compared to, um, I think Palace have got minus 25. Jake can probably can confirm that. Um, but goals is really our massive, massive problem. We're just not scoring very many at all. Um, not even getting shots on target in a lot of games like on Saturday at Tottenham. So we were really keen to see maybe some new creative options brought in. Um, we did get the return of Patrick Bamford, who has only had four appearances in the last year or so, so he's not match fit. Um, and Rudy Gestead from Villa. Um, again, I'm not sure how much these guys will do in terms of massively changing the way that Borough can play. Um, and sort of two games in, over the past week, uh, the 1-1 draw with West Brom and the 1-0 defeat at Tottenham on Saturday, where we did actually give a really good account of ourselves, um, play pretty well, uh, but at the end of the day, good performances won't keep us up. It has to be um, getting some points on the table. Yeah, another uh, interesting point. You mentioned uh, the striking option there, bringing Bamford back. Uh, Jordan Rhodes, which there was a huge deal made of last season about you acquiring him in the January window, and then now he kind of goes with a whimper. Were you surprised with that? Not at all. So 
John Rudd has um, made a handful of appearances for us this season, um, and he just never seemed to figure in uh, Itar Karanka's plans, really. Um, there's a lot of rumours that uh, Karanka never wanted to sign him in the first place and that that was a decision that was made by the club, which kind of makes sense looking back um, with what we know now and what Karanka said about how um, the club didn't necessarily bring in the people that he wanted to sign this time around. Um, so Rhodes, you know, we've kind of recouped our money on him, um, but he scored, you know, a number of vital goals that actually, if he hadn't done that, we wouldn't be in the Premier League right now. So he kind of did what uh, we needed him to do. Um, but I think Borough fans were very excited by him because he seemed like a young, raw talent and we never really got to see the best of him, I think, which is a shame. Yeah, and then uh, one last question I have is on Victor Valdez. As a neutral, I just happen to have not caught that many Middlesbrough matches, but he did seem to be playing excellently yesterday. Has that been true for the majority of the season? Yeah, it really has. He's really settled in well. Um, I think everyone at the club has a lot of faith in him, um, and he seems to be playing with a smile on his face and really enjoying things. So I think he's been a real success for us this year. Fair enough. We'll definitely help you. You currently have the sixth best defense in the Premier League. Uh, Jay, uh, we were going to do a segment on Wednesday or Thursday. Didn't end Don't up laugh, getting Kev. it. Don't laugh. Um, not, uh, <laughs> and if we had done it then, we would have heard a much cheerier and optimistic version of uh, <laughs> Crystal Palace opinions. Obviously, things did not go particularly well at the weekend. Uh, and unfortunately, we had you on last weekend and asked you what's gone wrong. And unfortunately, that's still relevant. <laughs> um, where do I start? It's been it's been a bit of a crazy week, actually. And, and just going back to Catherine's point, um, we, we had a really good goal difference before yesterday. And then yesterday happened. We're on minus 13 now. Um, that's still not bad, actually, when you compare it to the other side. So Middlesbrough I'd probably have the best one in, in the bottom six or seven, which uh, which is which is good for you guys. But uh, yeah, we're on minus 13 now and, uh, and, and on joint points Sunderland. But going back to the transfer window, let's kick off uh, start of the week. We, we actually had a really good January. Um, we tried to get... It was clear that Sam Allardyce was focusing on the, the back line, which was just conceding goals left, right and centre. I mean, we weren't getting beaten soundly um, <laughs> until yesterday. Um, but it was clear that Adelaide was looking to bring in players to replace the back line or much of the back line we already had. So in came Jeffrey Schlupp uh, a couple of weeks ago who missed out yesterday through injury, which is unfortunate, and he missed Tuesday night's game as well. Um, but that's been a, a solid sign. In the couple of games he's played, he's really showed... Uh, he's got some great pace, uh, really good pace, good in the tackle, and I think it's going to be really promising for us. Um, we also uh, signed on deadline day Mamadou Sacco, which I think that's a good signing for us because having spoken to quite a few Liverpool fans, they're a bit disappointed that um, Klopp's let him go because they consider him one of their best defenders or one of their defenders that can defend um, more more so than the others that remain at Liverpool. Um, and also coming in is Luka Milijevic, who comes with... I don't think a lot of people know that much about him, but um, having done a bit, a fair bit of research uh, and reading about uh, what the fans have said from Olympiakos, if he settles quickly and, and well, I think he could be a real addition to the side. I'm real, and he's the one signing that I'm excited to uh, to see play for us. He couldn't play at the weekend because of a work permit problems, uh, which was understandable after he signed right on deadline day. Um, and the other side was Patrick Van Arnholt, who got booed for the whole 90 minutes yesterday by the visiting fans. Um, a lot's been said about Van Arnholt since he joined Palace in that he can't defend, very good going forward, scores goals, 
but from what we've seen of him, he played made his debut on Tuesday and played yesterday. And I think he's going to be a good addition because we've been struggling at that position. Fullback, particularly left back, has been uh, a concern for us. And um, Allardyce has kind of made us play, or started to make us play the wing back uh, role, and he fits into that perfectly. So, so that's uh, that 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 works really well. But on transfer deadline day, we had the game away at Bournemouth, which. I think a lot of fans consider it a must-win, really. I know Bournemouth have been playing relatively well recently, but there's a feeling that they could probably get dragged into, or have been dragged into, the uh, the battle towards the bottom of the table. And um, coming away on Tuesday with a very good 2-0 win against the Bournemouth side, who you know have got some decent points and were pushing the top 10 at one stage of the season. Um, very happy with that. Really happy with that. Scored a second goal uh, late on. Scored the first goal just after half time, which was uh, a really good time to score the goal. And I think we were good value for the win. Uh, played really well. First time in, in a number of weeks we've actually played um, well against a side who, I, I guess you know you should be beating you know the sides in and around you in the table. And um, and that's kind of the impetus we had going into the game yesterday. A lot of fans kind of felt had a lot of renewed vigor going into the game yesterday. Uh, against Sunderland, who have looked awful for much of the season. And again, Apaches yesterday, they looked awful as well. It's just a, a mad 10 minutes for half time. I just don't know what happened. <laughs> I really don't. I've tried to go over it so many times in my head. Um, first 10 minutes before the Sunderland scored their first goal, Palace were pretty much in control. Uh, and then there was a hefty challenge on Johan Kabay, which forced him off the pitch and um, he stayed on for a little bit after the, the the first goal, but the first goal was a calamity again by Wayne Hennessy. I don't know how this guy keeps getting chosen by. This is the third manager in a row now that he keeps being picked by. They obviously see something in him, um, but it's clear the back line don't have any confidence in him. Uh, he made the mistake yesterday where he should have probably punched rather than um, trying to catch a ball in a six-yard box being challenged by a by an you know, opposition player. It just continually seems to make the wrong decisions. I think three of the four goals yesterday were um, were his fault, really. I mean, two of them were quite low into the bottom corner, but it, it, he doesn't seem to work his feet quick enough and doesn't get down very quick. And it, it seems to be error after error, and it's really not helping matters. And first goal was kind of the catalyst, and um, knocked stuffing out of Palace gave Sunderland a bit of encouragement. And then there was the quick three goals for half time. Uh, the players went off the pitch um, to a chorus of you're not fit to wear the shirt, which I have to say I didn't join in, but I can fully understand why the fans did it. It was a toxic atmosphere, it really was. Um, Half time was just kind of waiting to see what happened and Allardyce sent out the players five minutes before. Don't know whether that's just kind of an embarrassment thing or, or what, but they were out there warming up five minutes before the uh, opposition came out, but the second half was it was just completely flat, dead. Um, damage limitation. We didn't concede many goals, but Sunderland weren't interested in scoring any more goals. They they changed their back line to a, f- uh, a five across the back and wasted uh, time at every opportunity, which you can understand they would do. But being four four goals up, <laughs> we were never going to get back into that. Um, so yeah, completely shell shocked, completely stunned after Tuesday's result and losing four nil to a team bottom of the table, which is the third time this season we've lost to a team bottom of the table. We lost to Swansea both times this season when they were bottom. Um, so it seems to be a common theme. Um, I'm, ge- I'm guessing if we're bottom of the table, then we can't lose to us- ourselves. So um, at least that'd be one thing that we can't do <laughs> the rest of the season. Um, yeah, stunned, shell-shocked. Um, difficult to see where we go from here. I think the only... I think there's one kind of shining light after the game is that Allardyce 
back the fans. Um, he actually came out and said that he was surprised that the pa- the fans weren't didn't treat the players worse than they did. Um, and I thought <laughs> I thought the Palace fans were pretty, uh, um, you know, treated them pretty badly at halftime and at the end of the game yesterday as well. Um, and I said he doesn't want to feel like that again. Um, I just hope that he drills that into the players during the week. Hopefully they went in for early you know, training today on the day off because that, that performance yesterday was absolutely appalling. Um, and if we carry on like that, we'll go down. Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought that up because as soon as you signed Sam Allardyce, a whole lot of people just shifted you into the safe column automatically yeah. because of yeah. his past success in such realms. Mm. Uh, how's your confidence in that at the moment? Well, after yesterday's game, then my confidence has been shot completely. Um, the appointment of Sam Allardyce I was happy with because in our position that we were in, I felt that he's probably the right man for the job. And I still think he is. I can't think of anybody else that would have the experience to get us out, get us out of this hole. I mean, it's not, it's not all that bad because we are, we are two points from safety at the moment. I mean, Sunderland were in a worse position when he took over last year and he saved them. Uh, he had the January transfer window at Sunderland and managed to get them out of trouble. There is that kind of thought process there that, you know, he's done it before, so there's no reason why he can't do it again. Um, but after yesterday, it's really hard to think that he will, <laughs> really. I mean, he's been... I've, the Allardyce thing is, is, is odd because I think a lot of people know exactly how our form was last year. For the whole of 2016, we were the worst performing team in the whole of the nice two league clubs. Uh, that's no secret. Um, I think it's hard for a manager to come in and kind of instill something in a team which has been going through the motions for almost 12 months. I mean, yes, we got to the cup final last year, um, but the rest of the year was diabolical in terms of form. Um, patchy, patchy wins here and there, but the, 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 the runs that we went on, losing streaks and things like that, were just inexcusable. And I think there's an argument for the, for the board that should have probably sacked Pardew a month earlier and might have given us a bit more of a fight or given Allardyce at least a fighting chance to know what he's um, coming into and um, uh, and try and rectify but it, yeah it's going to be tough it really is after yesterday it's difficult to see um, what's going to happen from here but I mean yesterday could be a blessing it could work in the opposite direction could be a blessing or it could be the end of us this season so we'll have to see how that works out yeah um, for Tottenham we obviously played uh, Catherine's Middlesbrough uh, at the weekend uh, did pick up a 1-0 win. Uh, we could have scored more, but to be fair, they also could have scored more. Um, I think it was a well-made point about uh, Karanka's frustration not bringing in creators. You do have the fewest chances created in the Premier League this season, um, which is a problem, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. Um, but uh, as I said to you uh, when we were messaging about this show... Um, the last 10 or 15 minutes, it was all Middlesbrough. It really was. We were, we were just holding on by then, um, which is obviously not what we'd like to see. And it's this problem that we have with starting uh, Sun Hyung Min because uh, while he was everywhere in this match, it was not always effective. Um, but the problem with starting him is we have nobody that can impact the match in an attacking capacity off the bench. Uh, and Kudu currently hurt. Josh Onama has regressed this year. Last year, I, I thought this year was going to be the year he broke into the first team. Every time we see him, he fails to impress, which is very disappointing. Uh, Harry Winks is a good passer of the ball. I do think Winks came on with like five minutes left. Um, and we swapped Jensen for Kane, but that doesn't really inspire any confidence because he's not scoring goals. Uh, and so this is not the first time that we've struggled in the last few minutes of a match 
Uh, and so if, if we're insisting on being a Champions League team this season, which it's hard to say we're not in the conversation when we're currently second, um, but if, if that's our goal, we cannot keep expecting teams like Liverpool and Arsenal to be dropping points. There were Spurs fans that were celebrating that City were going to draw today, and then they didn't. Um, and I understand as a, as a supporter of a club, you, you know, you want what's best for your club. And sometimes that means bad things, not bad things, but, um, teams around you dropping points. But, uh, I think it would be, uh, a good idea for the fans to kind of take, uh, Pochettino's approach and just kind of put blinders on and, and focus on how we're playing, what we're doing, uh, more than pinning our hopes on others to do it for us. Cause we kind of had to do that in last year's title chase. We needed people to beat Leicester and we needed to go out and beat West Brom, which we didn't. We had to beat Chelsea, which we didn't. Um, and then that's what gave Leicester the title. Which, by the way, how crazy is that still? That Leicester won the league last season. <laughs> and then how they played against Manchester United today. Um, and really how they've played all season. Especially away from home has just been insane. But um, I do think that it, that's a concern. And uh, while I do not have a, a problem with how we handled January. In fact, I... Very publicly said, you know, I think this is the first time that when Pochettino has said, um, we don't need to add anybody, I agreed with him, but we do need Eric Lamella back. And if he isn't coming back soon, then I do think we should have made a move just because we, we shouldn't keep one of our best 11 players out of the side just because we may need him later. Uh, just because, like, uh, say for the, the uh, editor and producer of this show, um, we were talking about, well, is it better to start Sissoko? Not because Sissoko is better than Sun, far from it, but Sissoko could at least tire out the defense and then you bring in Sun as an impact sub because Sissoko, when he comes on as a substitute, largely just meanders around until the final whistle. Um, and so we, we need to deal with that. I do realize we're struggling with other injuries. Um, Danny Rose going to be out for a month is a huge blow, uh, especially as we're about to come up against Liverpool, who... <laughs> Again, uh, Spurs fans are celebrating that Liverpool dropped points. I'm not necessarily sure that we want to face a Liverpool off of a disappointing loss. Uh, maybe in line for kind of that comeback effort from them. The fact that we don't have Danny Rose is of a, is of concern, obviously. Vertonghen is somehow already back in into running drills and stuff. Uh, still about two weeks out from returning uh, to match fitness. But that was supposed to be six to eight weeks. And <laughs> right now it's been three. Um, so it looks like he's on the short end of that timetable, which is obviously great for us. But for the time being, the fact that we're missing both of them is huge. Um, Trippier also hurt. So when we start Europa League, not this week, but the following, um, not sure how we're going to deal with rotation, uh, if Trippier isn't, uh, mended by then, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of ways that this could, uh, go poorly for us right now. So cautious, cautious optimism is, is what I'd say right now. I do think that Arsenal are really starting to struggle a bit. Uh, I do have some bias, so if I'm wrong, uh, feel free to yell at me on Twitter. Um, Liverpool also just don't seem to have that scoring threat. Coutinho looked a bit wayward. Mane has had to play far too many matches. Firmino's lack of position, I think, is starting to become more problematic um, when they start him at the quote-unquote tip of the spear. Um, at the beginning of the season, he was dragging defenders all over the place, and even though his 
performances as you know his quote unquote, like his fantasy performances people weren't impressed he wasn't scoring goals he wasn't getting assists but he was doing a lot for the team and that seems to have taken a back step they were relying heavily on Jorginho Wijnaldum who then they benched at the weekend Adam Milan has been having to play further forward where he's less effective I, I just think there are a lot of problems oh and uh, those are all the problems with Liverpool that aren't their defense or goalkeeper so I, I I definitely do think that we can make the top four this season um Manchester City are scary now that Gabriel Jesus looks to be the real deal already. He was supposed to be the real deal in like two years, but he has really hit the ground running. I just realized that I've basically bled into the topic all on my own. Um, so let's uh, get into that. Uh, I am talking, of course, about um, teams that I think could finish in the top four. We spoke with Jay a little bit there about who could really end up in the bottom three. But also, who do you think won January on the whole? I think it's got to be City. Um, I just watched the game, actually, and I was one of those people who was jumping around the living room when the second goal went in, for my own mm. uh, personal reasons. Um, but yeah, he really looks to be the product, doesn't he? Um, I don't think that they'll win the title this year. Um, the inconsistencies that they've had defensively um, over the course of the season, I, I don't see them going away. And I think uh, they're just not as solid as Chelsea, who, for me, should run away with it. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I, I mean, January is so overhyped, it's ridiculous. So, uh, very similar to the prices as well. Everything's so much more expensive in January or, or players are so much more expensive. And the later it gets in January... Um, the flurry kind of tends to happen. Uh, Palace are obviously involved this year. And to be honest, in past Januarys, Palace have done probably some of their best business um, over the years. But um, I, I find it a, a, an odd time of year. And I think none of the top sides have really hugely gone for a, for a big strength in, in, in January. I, I think those sides that are being successful at that end of the table are probably... Uh, well planned and you know in terms of their targets and things like that so they generally get them across the line you know before before January uh, before the summer window kind of closes so I would expect them to be organized more so than it's more the teams like Palace and those down below and I think only time will tell the teams that actually end up staying up will probably be the ones that have won the January transfer window really because of how much money is involved in the Premier League Um, no team can afford to go down this season but three 
obviously we have to uh, at some point, but being the first year that there's been a hundred million um, that goes to the team that finished bottom, it, it just seems obscene and crazy. But um, it is the season where you don't want to be losing your premiership status. And um, yeah, I think, you know, Palace, as I mentioned, did some relatively good business. I know Swansea have, have done some business as well here and there. And, and obviously Middlesbrough as well, Catherine mentioned. So um, I think for me, the team that ends up or, or or the couple of teams that end up staying up because of what they added in January will will win the window, I think, more so than the teams uh, at, the, at, the upper, at the top end. Yeah, I, I wrote an article for you, oh man, what, two years ago now maybe? That was uh, the significance of January spending. And yeah, I, I think right. it basically yeah. came to um, if you spent five million pounds or more in January, you averaged two points higher than those that didn't over the mm. season. And mm. with how tight both ends are, I mean, aside from Chelsea, <laughs> two two to six. <laughs> uh, and then really, what, what is it now? Like the bottom six or seven are all like in and around there. Um, yeah. it, it could really make a big difference this season. I loved uh, what Swansea did. I'm glad you gave them a shout out. I do like. <laughs> Uh, the Mamadou Sako signing, especially on loan. I saw some people complaining that you had to pay a loan fee. Like, <laughs> yeah, what? He should be starting for Liverpool. You mentioned the Liverpool fans. They were frustrated that he was let go. If he had not come, he still would have been the best center back at Liverpool. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even sure it's particularly that close. You plug him in next to Dan. Patrick Van Anhold isn't particularly a defender. But you had those three, and you have Mandanda at the back, and all of a sudden things start to look a lot better. Mm. Um, also, uh, they ended up spending a, a fair chunk of change, but I liked what Burnley did as well. Uh, I think they're kind of going to go yeah. under the radar this week because Robbie Brady didn't start. But uh, basically, they, they were struggling to get the ball to Andre Gray enough, who has been very good and quiet this season uh, as far as coverage has gone, um, you know, ever since the, that incident but (laughs) on the pitch people haven't really been talking about how good he's been bringing in another player that can create for them another player that can score goals for them it also allows them um to put defour back in his natural position they'd had to play him out wide which was not a great call um and their defense has always been terrific this season and their home form is ridiculous um so if they can just start picking up anything away from home, I think they'd, they'd be very safe. And I, I do think they've been kind of under-hyped <laughs> in this window. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think they did a good job. Um, all right, uh, so if if we're talking top four, bottom three, I think we all know Chelsea are going to win the title at this point. The, the question was how many points were Liverpool and Arsenal going to take off them? Uh, ended up being just one. Probably not enough for the pack to catch up. Uh, but who else do you think will round up those champion leagues? those Champions League places first. Arsenal were very worrying during the week and obviously um, not much better on Saturday, really. Um, it doesn't seem to be going that well for them with Wenger up in the stands. I, don't, mm. I didn't really think that would have had such a big impact, but it really seems like it has. Yeah, actually, I'm going <laughs> to take a brief aside. Um, on the Wenger thing, are you guys, since we're all neutrals here, Surprised that this is the week he was offered a new contract? No. <laughs> <laughs> it just feels awesome. I think he'll be offered a new mm. contract forever and ever and ever. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. That's a fair, fair point. Not surprised at all, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they'll wait for him to walk away rather than sack him. Mm. Yeah, that's going to be very surprising. Uh, what do we think about the Manchester clubs? Like two weeks ago, they were both out of it. Now all of a sudden, they're the only ones picking up wins. Hmm. I think, I think um, it, sorry, go on, Catherine, Karen. Sorry. 
I think the past few, the past two weeks probably have been uh, really a big turning point in the season, combining the end of the transfer window with um, a double game week, so to speak. So um, things have turned around quite a bit, but I think now we've reached that kind of point in the season where um, things are starting to become a bit clearer in terms of what might happen. I think there was all that hype about the two new managers um, at the start of the season and, and, and not a lot else. That's why I think Chelsea have probably surprised a few people because they've kind of gone under, well, as, as much under the radar as Chelsea possibly can. But um, I think Conte was perhaps a little bit underrated when he came over from Juventus, perhaps in terms of what he could, uh, you know, what he could potentially do. But I think he's been a you know, breath of fresh air in, in the Premier League. Um, as for the Manchester clubs, I think it... it perhaps not from Mourinho so much, but I, I thought it might take Guardiola a little bit of time to acclimatise to the Premier League because he's only managed teams in kind of two-team leagues in a way and he's inherited like decent, you know, really good squads and been able to spend money and, and while he's been able to spend money at City, I think the Premier League is quite different to a lot of European leagues in that anybody can beat anybody on their day. That doesn't often happen in like, like the Bundesliga or, or, or La Liga where he's managed before. So, I think he's having to acclimatise a fair bit and this season is probably a season where, you know, the City board will just, you know, uh, understand that that's, you know, that's the case that he's going to build a team going forward. But I guess he would have to probably see, you know, his team challenging for the next season. Um, as for United, I, I think they've probably done a bit better than I was expecting them to really because after the last few years of, of change and, and, and ch- that change not working and bringing Mourinho in, I think he's, I think he's, tried, he's made United a team, a, a Mourinho team in a way, and it's taken him a fair while, a fair chunk of the season to, to kind of do that. And I don't know, I'm not sure if United will get into that top four. I don't think, I'm not sure if Liverpool will. I think that, that, that fourth spot is pretty much for Arsenal, Liverpool or United. And, and we know how much Arsenal love fourth players. <laughs> they sure they sure do love that spot although you know that terrifies me that it could be that close because then what if we're that one point shy i don't know if you guys remember this you probably don't because it didn't emotionally scar you but there's a three-year period where we finished level on points but worse on goal difference or one point behind arsenal and um that's when i learned humility um <laughs> uh yeah I, I i largely agree i think chelsea tottenham and city are are Looking very good at the moment. Also, uh, I'm throwing in Tottenham in there, not just because I'm crazy biased, which I am. I will point out. I freely offer that. But uh, we have the easiest schedule till the end of the season. Basically, if we pick up anything against Liverpool, I will be very surprised if we miss out. I know that we have Europa League, but if if we're clearly in this top two or three, um, by the time we're back in Europa League, I think we'll see Pochettino do what he did last season. Uh, when we were playing Dortmund and just put out some super B-level sides instead of really risking our stars and in, in, uh, just trying to make sure that they stay healthy. As a fan, I'm not super sure I'm a fan of that. I, I think I talked about this either last week or two weeks ago. The Tottenham historically are a cup side. We love that that kind of cup glory. It, it's been our uh, bread and butter as far as silverware has gone uh, in the past. But uh, I do think we would make that choice again. Uh, especially during a stadium build, um, just making sure that we have that Champions League revenue. And also, I will say, I think the players uh, desperately want to be in the Champions League next year to show that we weren't... uh, Well, we did deserve to go out wholly, entirely. (laughs) We actually had more losses in the Champions League than we've had in the Premier League. 
three out of six matches in the Champions League and two out of 24 now in the Premier League. So uh, we definitely deserve to be kicked out. But I think they want to show that, that Tottenham on the whole deserve a place there, that these players deserve to be playing with some of the best in the world. Um, so if it comes to that choice again, I do think that we'll lean Champions League. But I do think we'll get in there because our schedule is easier. Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 one of the reasons I wanted to bring up the Manchester clubs is because two two weeks ago, the, the majority opinion was that neither of the Manchester clubs would get in. And things can change that quickly. But for right now, Arsenal and Liverpool are definitely the two teams that are struggling a bit at the moment. <laughs> if Manchester City, regardless of which one starts, can bring off Sergio Aguero for Gabriel Jesus or the other way around. That's just <laughs> absurd. And, and playing uh, Jesus with Sané and Sterling has rapidly changed them into one of the most lethal counter-attacking teams in the Premier League. And we know how lethal a <laughs> counter-attack can be. It was literally what Leicester were good at last year, and they won the title. If they weren't 10 points plus behind Chelsea, you know, maybe maybe they would be in with a shot. But I do agree with, with uh, Catherine there. I don't think that Sidney that have uh, a chance of really catching up with the title. But I do think they'll, they'll make a top uh, three spot, which means, <laughs> all in all, I agree with Jay. I think that fourth spot is going to be somewhere between... United and Arsenal and Liverpool. It could be us as well. I'm not saying that we're we deserve to be in the top three. I just do think we'll be in the top four. Um, all right, looking at the other end of the table, uh, which may not be the most exciting thing. <laughs> um, Pass. <laughs> yeah, it's not looking pretty at the moment. But a similar thing, you know, Swansea. We're supposed to be an automatic lock to go down, um, but looked good today. Almost pulled a draw with this Manchester City team we keep praising, but they had two wins. Um, Gitto shared a great fact in the midweek thing about how um, they have more points under Paul Clement in his four matches than they had under Rob Bradley's 11. Mm. Um, so Swansea starting to turn things around. Hull looked a lot better, obviously. Uh, was surprised that they played four incoming players that they signed on Tuesday. Mm. <laughs> that seems surprising. But anyway, there has been a lot of shifting, uh, as we mentioned there a little bit with transfers. So who do you think is going to wind up uh, in that bottom three come the end of the season? I really, 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 really hope it's not Middlesbrough. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of on the fence now. I, I think it really could go either way, but the next two games, I'm going to say, the next two league games are key for us. Um, so we've got Everton next week, which I guess we'll talk about in a bit, but then uh, the game after that is actually Crystal Palace. Um, so that's obviously, uh, without wanting to use big cliches, a six-pointer. Um before the season began, I was actually pretty confident, even though we were a fresh team to the league and we hadn't been up in the Premier League for seven years. Um, I thought it was one of the better years we could have gone up, looking at other teams who we'd be facing in that kind of lower part of the league. I thought, we've got a good chance here, um, that there'll be a lot of teams that are poorer than us. Um, and while I still think that's the case, we're just not scoring the goals. Um, these defensive performances that we put on are absolutely brilliant at times but um the points aren't coming in so we've won four games in the season so far which is uh, fewer than anyone else in the league and we're disproportionately higher with our draws as well um but yeah i'd just love to win some games um so i'm really hoping we can get four points from the next two two games um that would really turn things around for us but i can just see if that doesn't happen the pressure continues to build and it'll only go downhill from there. Any anybody particularly that you think is is set to go down? 
I feel like surely Sunderland can't escape it once again. Right? <laughs> surely, surely that can't happen again. Completely um, agree with that one. <laughs> <laughs> but then, you know, um, football's a strange beast and funny things happen. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I'm kind of thinking it might be Bournemouth, Hull, Sunderland and Middlesbrough. Three from that four. I do think Big Sam will um, turn things around at Palace and get you out of it. Um, but yeah, I'm very nervous, put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I think Bournemouth is a, is a great shout. Ever since they've lost Sake, that defense has been awful. Losing Callum Wilson for the rest of the year is a huge blow as well. Yeah, great shout, Bournemouth. I think they didn't really do any business in January as well, which I don't know whether they were complacent. Um, I think they did make a bid for Aki to bring him back for about 18 million, which Chelsea rejected. But um, they've been sinking the last few games and obviously they've conceded eight goals in the last two games now, obviously being beaten quite heftily uh, in that odd game against Everton yesterday. Um, so, yeah, for me, they're going to get drawn into it. Southampton are surprisingly not far out. Um, I think they're, what, they're seven points off the off Hull, who are 18th at the moment, but I think Southampton will be probably be too good to. Uh, it's that it's that old saying, isn't it? Too good to go down. I I, I never believe that. Even when people are talking about Palace's squad, I mean, it's probably one of the best squads we've had for an awful long time. But I don't think anybody can be too good to go down if you're in that position. In that position, um, Sunderland, even though they beat us yesterday, were still poor. That, that's what that's what irritates me the most. Um, is that you know, other than that mad 10 minutes for half time. They were they were still pretty poor, and uh, it sounds crazy because they beat us four nil. But um, I still think that it's going to be tough for them to to stay up again. Surely they've outstayed their welcome in, in the Premier League, re- really. So Sunderland for me won. I wonder with Hull and Swansea whether the, the management there, however impressive they've started, will are just on that kind of honeymoon period, which clearly Palace haven't had, and I'm hoping that. Uh, we're we're going we're going the other way around and it's going to be a slow burner but we'll 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 creep our way out of it but I wonder how Hull and Swansea will get on in in the coming weeks because obviously they picked up a few points and I've got a lot of time for Paul Clement at Swansea it's good to see him back in management the one for me which might surprise everybody and and there's not been an awful lot of talk about it but Leicester you know yeah. they got beat heftily by Man United today they're nowhere near the level they were last season. And they still have Champions League football to play as well. Which is uh, clearly their, their priority. It clearly is. I mean, there's, there's, no, there's nothing wrong with them thinking that they're not going to get in the Champions League again for another... Well, when will they get in the Champions League again? I mean, I can't believe a team like Leicester will win the Premier League for an awful long time in the future. So it's fair to say that they've gone for the Champions League um, this season. Whether that ends up with them going down, that would be... Well, that would be another story in itself, wouldn't it? After them winning the title last season and, and, and going down. But they're only a point above the bottom three and I think they're under real threat. But for me, I think it's going to... I think I think Bournemouth are going to be the ones that are going to go in the bottom three. I think Sunderland, Bournemouth and Hull. I think Swansea will just about edge it and I'm just... I can't predict Palace to go down. <laughs> I, really, <laughs> I really can't predict my own team to go down, but I am nervous. Yeah, I mean... We'll look forward to that nil-nil at Palace in a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Just kill yeah, I'd really welcome a nil-nil at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Oh, first of all, while I'm stumbling to to come up with a new name, because I think you both covered this fairly comprehensively, uh, about transfers, I didn't mention Everton, and I should have. Bring in uh, Adam Lookman as that kind of attacking option off the bench, and Schneiderlin, plugging him next to Idrissa Guy, who is perennially underrated, mm-hmm. um, I think was a very good move, and we've really seen them click together lately, and... Uh, I thought a large part of it was that they were finally playing Morales, and then they randomly benched him. I thought a big part of it was uh, the uh, impact of Tom Davies coming in. Mason Holgate had been playing really well. Uh, And then they dropped all three of them and then went out and scored six goals. Uh, So I I think the culture is changing there a bit at Everton. And while I'm not sure they can – well, I mean, they obviously could uh, get their way up into that top six. Um, I think they put themselves in a really good position going forward. Uh, with manager and squad. And, and it seems like the defense is really shored up. Um, Seamus Coleman has finally started looking uh, like he did a few years back when people were throwing him in there as one of the best right backs in the league. Um, anyway, I had meant to mention that earlier and had failed to. I kind of agree. I, I uh, am a little frustrated that Catherine mentioned Bournemouth because that was like my, my sneaky one to go down. <laughs> she nailed it. Um, uh, who else? Who else we got here? Yeah. I agree. I think Middlesbrough's defense is too good. I think Palace's attack is too good. I, I, I love what we've seen out of Marco Silva, by the way, mm. uh, at Hull. I think he's done a great job. Regardless of whether or not they stay in the Premier League, I would not be surprised if he did. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, and then I want to easily write off Sunderland, but they just won 4 nil. Like, I realize oh, that could be an outlier, I'm... but Defoe's always going to score goals. Don't remind me, Kev. We've gone over this. <laughs> right. You know what? Since I can't come up with anybody, I don't want to put you or Catherine in a weird spot. I'm just going to move on. I'm just going to say that both of you addressed this topic well, and uh, we'll move right along into player watch. Oh, that's the easy way out, Kev. Oh, super, super <laughs> easy way uh, out for this guy. Um, all right. But yeah, let's uh, head into player watch now where we talk about a player that impressed and a player that disappointed for our club at the weekend. If nobody did either... Uh, you can mention somebody from the other team uh, that particularly stood out to you. We'll uh, obviously lead in with you here, Catherine. Thanks. Um, for me, um, at White Hart Lane yesterday, um, the best Middlesbrough player was our left-back, Fabio, um, who, when we brought him in at the start of the season, um, I guess a lot of people thought that he wouldn't really play very much because um, we had a sort of fixed left-back in George Friend, who is a very popular and like quite accomplished player for Middlesbrough, really. Um, nobody thought that he would be displaced by Fabio. Um, but due to um, some short-term injuries and a bit of a loss of form from Friend as well, um, Fabio's come in and he's done a fantastic job. Um, one of the biggest complaints we've had over the course of the year is that we're a very, very slow side. So um, great defensively, but then, you know, when we get the chance to go forward, it's very laboured. Um, and uh, Alvaro Negredo up front as well, you know, he's getting on a bit and he's not the fastest. Um, so it really helps to get anyone with a with a bit of speed in the side. So um, I think everyone's noticed Adama Traore um, probably over the last few months. He's come into the fore a lot more um, and he's basically seen as our main creative outlet um, in getting us forward. But Fabio as well on the other side is really helping. Um, so he... He was brilliant yesterday defending. Um, he's not actually that tall, but he was winning everything in the air. And then he was a real outlet for relieving pressure, of which there was a lot because Tottenham really nailed the possession. So we were, you know, backs against the wall. But Fabio just did an awesome job yesterday. 
so he's my nomination for that. Um, and the worst player, um, I'm going to give it to uh, our central midfielder, Adam Forshaw, who um, started the season really well um, and actually only played in flashes in our promotion season last year. Um, he seems like a really talented player in terms of his vision and uh, really working really hard and getting stuff done. But over the past few weeks, he's just looked a bit lost and a bit under pressure. And I think um, our midfield was what let us down ultimately yesterday. We were completely overrun and swamped by Tottenham. Um, so, yeah, maybe the new signing of Guidiora, maybe he's going to come in and he looks like he's got a lot of strength and uh, he's got some weird nickname, something about a rocket. Um, so He likes to take shots from outside the box. So, you know, willing to try anything at this stage. Um, so, yeah. Adam Farshaw for me. And Jay, uh, is, is there somebody that impressed? Sorry, sorry impressed. I'll just look uh, up that. Yeah, so. you can do double depressed if you'd like. Yeah, I just need to look up that word in the dictionary because I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> um, impressed yesterday, impressed. Um, well, I, I mean, the whole the whole first 11 disappointed yesterday. That's the easy one this week. Um I think probably that I say shining light is probably too hard to that's, that's probably the wrong description. Um James MacArthur kept working hard and he's he's the engine in the middle of our midfield and you know, while nothing was really working at all, he, he did you know, he never gave up once until he was substituted. But I think one player which came out with a, a tiny bit of credit was um Andros Townsend. He's been very disappointing so far this season, but played the last 15 minutes on Tuesday night against Bournemouth, um, it's more than a cameo, to be honest, because he, he created a, a fantastic assist for Benteke to score his second goal and, and ultimately sealed a game for us on um, you know, down on the south coast. And he came on at half-time uh, for Damien Delaney in a, in a change of formation because uh, you know, the, the back three, the centre-back three, uh, clearly wasn't working after uh, being 4-0 down. And um, Andrew Stanza came on and, and gave us a little bit of... I mean, the, the game was dead at, at half-time, to be honest, but um, Townsend gave gave a little bit more of it. Energy um, kept trying to uh, take on defenders. So I think it's it's a hard push for for the player that shone. But it's nice to see Andros Townsend actually showing some improvement in recent weeks. Um, now the transfer window is gone, and 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 the rumours that he might go back to Newcastle have passed. Then hopefully he can concentrate on uh, what he needs to do for us now and uh, between now and the end of the season, which um, hopefully will be a bit valuable to us. Um, disappointed. Um, I could say most most of the starting eleven were disappointing. Um, I think again, it probably has to go down to Wayne Hennessy because I fail to understand how this is a third manager in a row that keeps playing Wayne Hennessy. And I know Steve Mandanda, who's our keeper that we signed in in in, in the summer, uh, has been injured and and hopefully he's going to be back soon from a, from knee surgery. So I think he's got a couple of weeks left. Um, but I still don't know why we don't play Julian Speroni in goal while Hennessy's making these terrible, terrible errors of judgment at what they clearly are because he seems to just come out and do the wrong thing uh, on most occasions. There's a mistake in him every game, which which often or has more recently than well, more often not led to a goal. And uh, just I, I just don't see him as a Premier League goalkeeper. I really don't. And maybe it's harsh to pick him out because it was there was more than just him. But I think um, his mistake for the first goal, his error of judgment for that first goal, kind of was a catalyst for what happened afterwards. So, yeah, I'll have to go Wayne Hennessy. Yeah, it is surprising. When I uh, got to see Palace in the summer, 
uh, Julian Speroni was still amazing in uh, training. Yeah, he was stopping yeah. like everything that was coming towards him. And I realized, you know, as he's aging, speed of the game, et cetera, et cetera. But at least he's good at that. I, I don't exactly. know. I could tell you what Wayne Hennessy is good at. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I mean, he's uh, he's a he's a big keeper. You know, he shouldn't he's make, big, be making. He's he's Pentilamon. <laughs> yeah, well, he shouldn't big. be making. Yeah, he, he shouldn't be making the mistake, especially. Like the first goal yesterday, he's coming out to catch the ball on the edge of six yard box while being challenged, like a heavy challenge. Which you know, sometimes you could it could have been given a foul against him, but I, I don't like you know the, the keepers being you know get getting the rubber to green too much. So you know he should be punching the ball from from that position really, but you know he does it too often. Errors of judgment happen too much, and you know he's 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 not quick on his feet for a goalkeeper either. You know, so many times he's been beaten for a free kick because he's. Because he's gone, he's moved his feet one way and the ball's gone the other way. It's it's happened so often, it's crazy. But um, we can't keep having him do it. We really can't. And the sooner Mandanda comes back, then the better. Yeah, going from your French keeper to ours, I think Hugo Lloris was probably uh, our best player yesterday. As I mentioned, that that last 15 minutes was very nerve-wracking for us. And Hugo made far more saves than he should have had to. Um, but, I mean, that's... that's uh, I think one of the things that really separates that world-class uh, keeper from just good keepers in general is that Hugo, and, and not saying just this this match in particular, but on the whole, he can be untested for 70 minutes and then all of a sudden have to face a massively lethal chance from an opponent, and he's he's sharp. He's immediately on it. Um, never has those like lapses of judgment that we uh, were familiar with in the Aurelio Gomez days. Um, obviously much more athletic than we were during the Brad Friedel days. Uh, and so anyway, having him back because he missed out last week, we did uh, manage to keep the clean sheet against Sunderland would have obviously liked a lot more from that match. Um, but just having Hugo back is so crucial for us, especially while we're dealing with defensive injuries, just knowing that we're, you know, at least back to that. Well, even if you get past all of us, you still have to get past Hugo is a, uh, massively comforting thought, um, for us uh, as Spurs fans, uh, for disappointed, I'm going to say Della Ali. He had some early opportunities, didn't convert them, and then kind of got into petulant mode there for a little bit. And it's, he loses focus so quickly once he's been perturbed. Um, I don't know if you, you saw Catherine on replays. Uh, Valdez and Ali had like a little tiff. Mm, I, don't, I did I, hear about this. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know what started it, uh, so I don't really want to comment um, too much on it. But basically, after that, it seemed like Ali's head had gone, and he just continued to not pretty much play well from then, uh, really towards the end of the match. Uh, you know. Yeah, I've I've seen that from him before as well. I'm sure you have. Yeah, yeah, it's a very frustrating trait for him to have, and I mean, he still has five years of us being able to say he's young is his excuse. <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully, uh, he can sort that out sooner rather than later. And I, I, it's so annoying because I think on last week's show. I mentioned that he's been playing so well, and when he plays well, he doesn't get this like weird, nasty streak in him. But apparently, it works conversely uh, as well. So hopefully, he can sort that out. But Delali was disappointing after he had been so good for us of late. All right, and we will wrap up with a few match previews. Um, some uh, interesting ones coming up for us at the weekend. But we'll lead off with you, uh, Catherine. You're going to be facing the Everton team that I just praised so heavily. Uh, but you are at home where you have been better. Uh, are you hoping you're going to be able to pick the points here? Oh, maybe. Um, 
I'm sure that um, football fans all around the country this week will be triple captain in Lukaku um, ahead yep. of Saturday. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me. Um, but, you know, Everton still shipped a lot of goals the other way, the wrong way at the weekend. So, you know, maybe this is our time. Um, maybe that 10 minutes we saw at the end of the Tottenham game where we did seem to go a bit more direct, which generally seems against everything that Karanka stands for, um, going direct. But, um, you know, maybe I, I think we're just struggling to get it right at both ends. So we're, we're defending really well. Um, we're just too nervous to try and cross the divide and go and attack as well. It's just kind of getting the balance right. Um, but why not go for it? We're at home. <laughs> um, I think I'd, I'd be really happy with a point from from Saturday. Fair enough. And uh, Jay, you're going to be traveling to Stoke, but it's not uh, wet or windy or on a Tuesday night. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'm clinging on to the fact that we are Stoke's bogey team in recent years. So I'm really hoping that we can dig this one out and, and get some kind of result against a Stoke side, which you don't know what kind of Stoke side will turn up at the moment. Um, lost lost to West Brom at the weekend, didn't they? So. Um, obviously we'll want to get some more points on the board, but I think we're a better team away from home. The way our formation plays, the way our, the way our players are, and um, particularly the way that we're using that back five formation with two flying uh, wing-backs at the moment, it works so well against Bournemouth in the week, but it's just our home form has been absolutely horrendous, um, and that proved yet again yesterday that you know we're struggling against teams who just come back and you know, come to us and and kind of pack the defence and midfield. But um, I'm hoping that you know a bit more open game. We've got the players to to hurt Stoke. Um, we beat Stoke four one at Palace at Sellers Park, which seems an awful long time ago <laughs> um, earlier on in the season. But yeah, I, I'm just holding out some hope that we will continue to be their bogey side and we get some sort of result against them. And it really wouldn't surprise me with Palace, to be honest. Yeah, um, Tottenham, we are traveling to Anfield. I mentioned it a little bit earlier. This is going to be a huge match for us. Um, but I think, you know, a draw is something we would automatically take. I think that would keep the gap between us healthy enough, knowing that Arsenal and Liverpool have both dropped points twice. Um, of late makes it uh, less must win e if <laughs> that's a word which it's not. Um, so yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully we can pick up the points. I do think um, it's a little dangerous, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, they kind of fell into the trap game against um, Hull and got undone there. So maybe their guard will be up against us a little bit more, which is not necessarily the best. We aren't coming in at our creative best. Other uh, matches against Sunderland and. Uh, Boro not necessarily the uh, proof of our lethality that we had shown previously. Oof. Uh, Score-wise, I mean, I also ranted on Liverpool earlier. The fact that Coutinho hasn't really um, uh, looked good since coming back. Mane looks maybe a step off uh, since coming back from Africa. I shouldn't say negative things about Liverpool before we play them. I'm going to say a 2-2 draw. All right, and uh, that will do it for us today. So if you guys would like to tell folks where they could find you or any projects you're working on, now would be a great time. Yep, uh, I'm Catherine. I tweet and write a lot about Borough for ESPN. Uh, and you can find me at Lady. Yeah, thanks everyone again, guys. I'm Jay. I'm editor of The Eagles Beak, and you can catch us on Twitter at The Eagles Beak.
Yeah, and I am your host, Kevin DeVries, at KevRuff on Twitter. I'm also the lead fantasy writer now over at Goal.com, so be sure to check everything out over there. I also write about fantasy for Jay at the Eagles Beak. I also talk about fantasy on a show called the FPL Roundtable on this channel. I also talk about fantasy with a video of my face uh, for DFS for VIPBet.com. So also be sure to go check that out if you want. I always say be sure to. I mean, you know what? Live your own life. You know, I'm not your mom. (laughs) Just listen to your heart. And uh, hopefully that will lead you to a successful and happy path in life. Um, (laughs) On that weirdly uplifting note, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure as always. And we hope you keep listening. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.